Well, we'd like to welcome you back to the Christian Apostolic Center podcast, a place where a body of born-again believers are committed to the cause of Christ. Here again with you, your show host, Alex Spooner, and with me as always, my good friend and co-host, Matthew Bell. Bro, how about you tell our audience what we have in store for them today? Today, we're going to be talking about the oneness of God 2.0. What does the New Testament have to say about Jesus? What an incredible topic. If you missed our first episode on the oneness of God, be sure to go back and hit that first. But if you've already caught up to this point, stay tuned and listen in. We are excited to welcome all of our listeners and viewers that are on Facebook Live right now back to the CAC podcast. Bro, we've just been chugging along in this new series until why I believe we've already had, I think this is the fifth episode. I don't know. We'll have to ask uh, Ms. Producer uh, if that's correct. I don't know if it's the fifth episode. I'm not even sure if she watches the episodes, to be completely honest really with you. I hope so. Yeah. But today, as you've coined the phrase, we're going to talk about the oneness of God 2.0. Obviously, uh, last week we dove into um, the oneness of God um, from a Pentecostal perspective, what that means. We defined that. We, we tried intentionally to be very basic and define what the Bible says primarily about the revelation of who God is in the Old Testament. We did hit on some New Testament scriptures to kind of get people excited for this episode. Um, and I think I think it's been an incredible time, man. I'm really looking forward to this. I do too. You know, when you, you say we try to make it so basic, really, it really is basic. Um, sometimes we get ourselves in trouble when we complex the scriptures. Uh, I think the scripture is very easily understood with the help of the Holy Ghost, of course. And so when we're understanding the oneness of God, of course, we're going to go to the foundation principles of the Old Testament of what does the New Old Testament say about God. I'm excited about today because now we get to dive into who Jesus is. Yeah, We get to dive in as how God worked within flesh among men and revealed himself. So we, we got a good topic today. I hope yeah. everybody's got their Bibles, get their, Bibles out. their notepads, and we're going to have a little bit of fun and and hopefully grow ourselves in the knowledge of God. Absolutely. And before we dive into that, just as we started last episode, if you could, if you don't already, as Brother Matt said, get your Bible out, get your pen and paper out. Um, also, go ahead and write down all the oneness scriptures that you you have retained, whether it's through the week of reading them, whether it's um, from last week's episode. Go ahead and jot those down. Um, if it's on the same piece of paper as last week, just see how many more scriptures you're able to quote. If you're not able to quote too many more, that's all right. We're going to go ahead and dive into a whole lot of Scripture today, specifically New Testament as well. So that's going to be a really fun time. Just to, I mean, we're going to be going, as you already said, Old Testament, New Testament prophecies. We're going to talk about the I Am statements of Jesus. We're going to look at the dual nature of Christ. That's an important understanding. Right. We're going to look at Revelation. Who are we going to see when we uh, get to heaven, when we all get to that place that we're, we're living for now? We're going to deal with all that. Um and my good friend and co-host is telling me I need to slow down. So I'm going to do that because he is a wise man of God. So with that, I think the best way to get me to slow down is go ahead and turn it over to you. Let's start where we did last week, the Old Testament, and use that as a launch pad to get us into the New Testament. What was fulfilled specifically by Jesus in the New Testament that was talked about in the Old Testament? Go ahead and start with that. Well, last last week we talked about who is God of the Old Testament, and now entering into New Testament, we find Jesus Christ. And so we want, as you said, we want a launch pad, but we want to know: Does the New Testament talk about Jesus? There's there are 
hundreds of prophecies that refer to Jesus Christ. I mean, you can go in Genesis 4 and 9. You can go in Malachi, Isaiah. You can go in, oh, even in the Psalms, there's prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. But specifically, we want to cover of how the Old Testament Old Testament identifies Jesus Christ. And there are two scriptures um, there are, that I mainly want to focus on, and then there's also uh, in Malachi and Isaiah. Yeah. But we'll go into Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah 7.14. <clears throat> and it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall be conceived and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which we both know. We, God we is birthed. with us. Yeah. It's God is with us. And so the name of this child that was born from a virgin virgin uh, is God with us. It, it, when they see him, they're going to recognize that God is among them. Right. Um, you got Isaiah nine six, which you know we we've very we've similar. For unto no, we us hear a this child is born. Yeah, go ahead, read it. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the now, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now, when you go in two areas, mighty God, you 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 connect that with Revelations one eight. Yeah. When Jesus is talking to John, he says, "I am the Almighty," um, and then everlasting Father, which is interesting, because in Matthew twenty three nine, Jesus is speaking. And he says, "Call no man." Uh, your father upon the earth, for one, one is, is your father, father right. which is in heaven, which is going to be an interesting conversation. When we, now next week, I think we're we are covering Father, Son, and Holy Ghost language, and how to understand the New Testament, how it presents it. But in other words, Isaiah nine six is saying this individual, this is what he's going to be called. Now it's it's interesting that the Hebrews had a particular uh, connection to names. The names meant more than a moniker. It wasn't just empty. That's right. It was it was a part of that individual. So whatever that name of that individual was actually represented who he was. Yes. Not just hey, I see Matt over there. It's yeah. you know if you went to my original meaning of my name, it's a gift from God. But you know some may question if that's what it <laughs> actually keep means for me. But we'll keep moving on. Uh, but and so the, it, it was a, tied to their. To their character, who they were, what they would do, who they would be. Um, so when Isaiah talks about the name, it's identifying not only what he'll be called, but who who, who he, he is will, and, will be and who he is. And he says he is the everlasting Father. Exactly. Which is exactly. An, which is an incre- it's an incredible scripture because the Bible is referring to Jesus who comes, God in the flesh. Not only is he our Savior, our Redeemer, but he is also our Father, according to Isaiah 9, 6. What an incredible, that's an incredible verse, man. Yeah. When you go over to uh, Malachi 3, 1, we, we, and for everybody out there, we're, we're going through a lot of Scripture today. Yes, we are. We are. And so we may not comment quite as much, but the Scripture speaks for itself. Uh, Malachi uh, 3, 1 says, Behold, I sent a messenger, and, I shall, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord which that word Lord there is the same word we talked about in Deuteronomy 6, 4, which is Yehovah. Right. It is the supreme God, the supreme deity, the creator of all things. And so this messenger shall prepare the way of the Lord. Isaiah 43 also prophesies the exact same prophecy. 
And so we find the fulfillment of that in Luke one seventeen, Luke one seventy six. There was also a prophecy when the angel went to uh, his his father and talked about what John would be, and John was the fulfillment of that scripture in Isaiah forty three, and in Malachi three one. And when it comes to when Jesus came to John, John pointed to him and said, this is he he. that has come. So Jesus was the Lord. He was the Jehovah that John made the way for. And really, starting there, this opens up a broader question that we're going to go ahead and dive into next and answer. So who really was Jesus then? We're talking, he, he's the father. We, he's, he's been called the prince of peace. He's obviously um, that word that is in Isaiah 9, 6. God is with us, interpreting God is with us. Also, or excuse me, Isaiah uh, seven fourteen. So really, the next question we have to answer then, who is this Jesus? This one that is that is obviously called the carpenter of Nazareth, born of a virgin. Uh, you know, his, we know a lot about his family, but really we got to break down what the Bible says about him as well. And I think what we're going to start there correct me if I'm wrong, is in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. Yeah, it's because we need to understand who God is in the New Testament. Yeah. And it reflects the same God that we see in the Old Testament. And I believe you had some notes on that in regards to 1 Timothy and, and uh, Galatians. Yeah, if you look at that scripture, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus. Also Galatians 3.20 says, Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. So we have this idea, we have this verse here in Timothy, which is, it's incredible. He starts off with an incredible statement. There is one God. We've already established what the Old Testament says about God. I find it incredible how, again, reaching back to several episodes ago, this this scripture that's written over 1,600 years, um, several different, 40 plus different authors, three different continents, Again, the unity that's in Scripture, everything that was talked about in the Old Testament and prophesied. Then you have Paul talking to Timothy way in the New Testament, and he says the same thing. The, the doctrine hasn't changed. Obviously, we know the Bible says um, that God says, I am God, and I change not. And Paul says here, for there is one God. We cannot forget that. That doctrine, the doctrine of oneness, is all throughout Scripture and something you have to hold on to. It speaks to all other doctrines as far as the new birth, baptism, Infilling of the Holy, it, it's all predicated on the foundation that there is one God. And then he says, and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And I think really, if you could for us break down really what that what that word mediator means and what a mediator is between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That's kind of going into the role of the man Christ Jesus. Right. Well, it's referring to that there is a gap between man and God. Jesus is the filler of that gap that connects man back unto God, reconciles mankind back unto God. So he is that reconciliation. He's the payment that there won't be a gap that now, as Paul said, we can boldly come before the throne of grace that we may obtain help in the time of We can know him. We can know him for ourselves as Jeremiah prophesied and Hebrews declared that now we can know him at an individual level. Through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, no man can come unto the Father except by me. me. So that's what it's referring to. And what that is, is that Jesus is the atonement for the sin that separated us from God. Now now we're getting into the redemption plan. We don't want to go too far into that. Right. Um, 
That will be coming in later episodes, so that's it, so we'll, we'll stay tuned for that because that's going to be a little further. We're ready for that. We're ready for that. Well, now. I just I look back in the Old Testament and I I look at this picture, this discourse between Moses and Yahweh, you know, the God of Covenant, and He says, "Show me Your glory." Now yes. we sing about that a lot, uh, which is I, I, I it's obviously biblical, but God replies, He says. If I showed you my glory, Moses, you would be destroyed. I'm paraphrasing. But he says, you couldn't handle my glory. Yeah. But now we have God. He, The lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. The world was created with the understanding of a redemptive need in mind for mankind. We fast forward. We get all the way there. And this carpenter from Nazareth, he is the mediator. He is, he is now the revelation. People can understand. They can see. John says we'd be... We touched him. Our hands have handled him. We've yeah. we seen him. And he's talking about how God came down in a body of flesh to be our mediator, to be our savior, to be the sacrificial yeah. atonement, to be the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. We can see him. We, they knew him. They handled him. And it was in a way that me and you could understand and he could reveal himself in a personal way to me and you because that was not so in the Old Testament. Yeah. Now, note, I love how you brought up... Um, Moses, because it brings me into this point when, because we're still kind of laying that foundation of God of the New Testament. Uh, Moses couldn't see God because of the glory of God. And that's why John in John one eighteen it says, no man has seen God at any, any time. time. Right. Never has any man ever seen God. And first Timothy one seventeen it says now unto the eternal, immortal, invisible, the, the only, only wise, wise God. And so God to man is completely invisible. We cannot see him. God is spirit. Yeah. And so that's why you already put the words <laughs> in my ahead, mouth, keep man. Keep going, Rev. I'm sorry. Um, because God, because God, is, God is invisible because God is the substance of spirit. In John 4, 24, it says God is spirit. Acts 17, 24 says that he does not dwell in temples made of hands. In physical temples is what he's referring to. Right. Second Corinthians three seventeen it says he is the spirit. Singular. Singular. And the the whole reason why that's so important to understand the substance of God is because you've got to understand. This is why we laid out the Old Testament. This is why we're laying out who what the New Testament declares God in Himself to be. Because you cannot understand Jesus until you first understand God. If you can understand who He is, how the Scripture presents Him, understanding the role of the body of Christ is going to be much simpler and more easy to understand for you. Right, and we know, I, I I just know your next point, is that invisible God that we're talking about, he manifested himself. You look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, um, the Bible lays out, I've seen this, I just want to deal with this just briefly, I've seen a lot of people, um, particularly Trinitarians, um, I've heard them expe- attempt to explain some different doctrines that they hold, and, and they immediately go to the Scripture, and they say, well, great is the mystery. It, it can't possibly be understood. Um, it's it's too difficult. And if we've been laying out, the Bible lays this out simply. Yeah. And when the Bible says great is the mystery of godliness, obviously you continue reading, it tells us what that the mystery is, what, what's so captivating and, and thought-provoking is that God was manifest. And I know you're going to break down that word in a little bit, but God was manifest in the flesh, 
justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. That's First Timothy three sixteen. You know, I wanted to ask you, like, what what do you think that the mystery? Now, I I have ideas, and and I know you do too. What do you think that the mystery of the godliness in regards to what uh, Paul is writing is? You know, I when I reading that, I think, and I again, well, I'll have your input here. I think this is a, a healthy discussion to have. I think you look at that in our minds again, the glory of an all powerful, all being God. Let's. Let's talk reality. God doesn't need us. He wants us. He chose us. And that's a whole different topic as to the why. Um, and an easy answer, quick answer would be for relationship, love, different things like that. But we find this all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing God who is completely justified at any moment to speak judgment. But he has love and mercy. But that love was so great and so strong that he presented himself. He came. The Bible said he looked, and he looked for a man. He couldn't find anybody. Yeah. He couldn't find anybody to stand the gap. He seen this void between him and his people, and it was sin driving them apart. And he knew, obviously, again, as we've already said, the land was slain from the foundation of the world. He already knew he was going to have to present himself a sacrifice. That's going all the way back to Abraham sacrificing Isaac on the mountain. Abraham says the Lord's going to provide himself a sacrifice. What a type and shadow that is because right. God knew he would have to provide himself. And so that mystery is that there would be an almighty, all-powerful God that would manifest himself in a body of flesh and suffer the the payment and the penalty of wickedness and sin and shame and guilt and the destruction of a body, the pain that he physically felt, that he would do that. It is, we could just say for love, but our minds can't fully comprehend that. I think part of that is what the mystery of that godliness is. And also the idea that God was in a body, yeah, a body of flesh, really. And I'm, I'm 100% behind you. I, I, in no way do I believe that the mystery is the Godhead. Right. The mystery is that this God would indwell himself in this little baby boy. He would indwell <laughs> himself in the womb of a woman and be born and be indwelt in that body and grow and that body would grow and learn and be hungry and sleep and that that's the greatest mystery of understanding that and of course we're going to talk about a little bit of that of the dual nature uh, but there, it's such a it's it is a it is such a mystery of how that exactly works um, but luckily we have a little bit of scripture that lays some idea out um, but when we've said we're I'm going to hit on the the manifested God was manifest in the flesh. Now, manifest means easily seen right. or clearly seen. So, in other words, those who were in the flesh, me and you, we're right. in our flesh right now. If we were in that time period, we could easily see God. Right. And, of course, there's a, a scripture in, in uh, John 14. I'm not going to read it right now. I'm going <laughs> to let everybody wait in anticipation <laughs> because it uh, it's, it's for another point. But in Second. Corinthians 5.19, it says, To wit, that God was in Christ, in Christ. reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, but hath committed us to the ministry of reconciliation. God was, the whole point of that scripture is that God, the invisible God, was in the body, Christ Jesus, right. the anointed one. Well, and, how, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just cut you off. No, brother. I was... I'm uh, just going to point out another scripture that kind of refers to that. 
in regards to the Godhead, it refers to the deity. It refers to God himself. Colossians 2.9. 2, 9, absolutely. We both we could quote this one on the back of Hopefully our Hopefully this is one of the verses that people write down at the beginning of the episode. Because yes. it's, a, it's a powerful one. In him, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I, I, we've talked about this in a couple of previous episodes, the 2020 rule. If you want to get the best context for verses, read 20 verses before, 20 verses after. You can clearly see that in him, that him is talking about Jesus. In him dwelleth all the fullness of of the Godhead bodily. Amen. You never notice how most of the time when it refers to the identity of Christ and it refers to God with Christ, it's always about being in him. Yeah. And it's just an interesting point. Our relationship with Christ is us in him. That's right. That's the, that's what we were talking about when we were talking about mediation. Christ, the reconciler, the mediator, every the unity between man and God is in Christ. Right. Because both God and ourselves are in Christ. So everything is accessible in Christ. I just wanted to point that out. I think that's a fun point to <laughs> show. No, keep rolling, Rev. Keep so, rolling. Um, we both know this. I hope you'll read the scripture. Um, is in Philippians, when uh, Philip. Yeah, t- John 4, 14, yeah. 5. Just, just, I, and we know this, but let's just, I, we're going to read this just because the, down, the, the discourse is incredible. Thomas saith unto him, this is John 4, Fourteen five, and Thomas is called doubting Thomas, um, and for obviously some good reason. But let's just look at this discourse between Thomas and Jesus. He says, "Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way?" And we're gonna—I'm gonna break this verse down a little bit more, talking ahead, about some brother. of the I, I am statements of Jesus. But Jesus said to him, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And we talked about that, what that means. No man can come unto God um, but through the man Jesus Christ. We, to know God is to know Jesus, which is important. And he says, verse 7, If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him. You know him. Well, how do we know the Father if Philip only knows Jesus? Well, because we believe that, again, we've talked God was manifest in the flesh, the Father. Jesus is the Father. We believe that the Father was in the man, Christ Jesus. And verse, continuing in that verse, it says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. Now, I think this is pretty uh, pretty incredible here. He says, show us that Father. You're talking about this Father. Can you show it? Show us him. And it sufficeth us. We'll be satisfied. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Verse 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me. For the very work's sake. Wow. Incredible. I think it lays it out perfectly, the role of Christ. Now, I want to be really careful, and and I think you know what I mean. We kind of had a discussion about this. I want to be really careful with how I word this. um, Because I'm going to present some scripture, and then I'm going to show you the role of the body of Christ. Yes, he was a man. Right. Uh, Colossians one fifteen it says who is referring to Jesus, who is the image right of the invisible, invisible God, God mm. the firstborn of every creature, and then Hebrews one three points this out, 
who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his essence. Now, it is so imperative that we understand this. The body was God's body that he was using. Right. But God is spirit. He is. God is not flesh by any means. But the way that he chose to reveal himself to mankind, because no man could see God, because he was invisible to man, and God longing for relationship with man, he longed to reveal himself. How did he do that? He did that by giving birth to a body, a man, that he can fully indwell. That's why the scripture says that Christ had the spirit without measure. He had the fullness of all of God to reveal God to man that we may know him for ourselves as a personal relationship. The flesh is not God. The spirit is God. But the flesh is is God's flesh that he chose to reveal himself to mankind. Right. So we have to understand that in order to understand dual nature, which we'll talk about um, later on in the future. Absolutely. And the idea that, remember, back in the Old Testament, there was only one that could even step into the, the glory and the presence of God. And you have, that was the high priest. That was once a year, the Day of Atonement. And read up on all that. I know we have a lot of people in our church that are very well versed, and especially the tabernacle. I know a lot of Brother David's first guy comes to my mind. I know he loves praying right. for the tabernacle. Right. And but when you when you understand putting that together with Moses' encounter with Jesus, and or, excuse me, with Jesus, with you know Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, the covenant God of Israel, and to understand that now. We can, they've seen him. We can know him in a personal way. Yeah. And this is just echoing what, um, what pastor and the ministry of this church has been preaching a relate personal relationship. But that was the intention of it all to be able to, ha- you, you couldn't know, you couldn't have that relationship with God except for what was him coming down in the body of flesh, the man Christ Jesus. And I tell you what, man, it, it is incredible to know who Jesus is. Everything was for intimacy with mankind his create his creation i remember one preacher he said i made you to be my bride i saved you to be my bride hmm. and that's the beauty of jesus christ because in him we are complete so all of god in christ and us in him we are complete in ourselves and I, I know we're i'm not trying to go off at all no no but, no the, the purpose of knowing this is that we can be intimate with him. We yeah. can know him at a personal, we can hear his voice. As a, as a husband hears the voice of his wife, he, he knows her voice more than anybody else. So also we can know the voice of our God. That's so right. When we're talking about oneness, and, and we reiterated this last time, we're talking about oneness that you may know him how he has revealed himself to That's you. That's right. Because he's revealing himself to you as a intimate action. He's drawing us. Amen. So uh, he, re- I mean, see, look how open God is to be able to see him. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. To reveal himself in such a way that can be understood, comprehended. And it is, 
again, going to that mystery, it's not the Godhead. It, it is it is this understanding that God would put himself in a place where he could say he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Right. How right. incredible. He he can, not only because he knows me and you and because he created us, we're made in his image, but he he knows the struggle. He knows the hurt and pain. He he knows the worst of it all, the boring, the shame, and the sin of all uh, creation. He knows about a tough day. He knows about a, he knows about the struggles that you can go with. He's seen the struggles of of those twelve that followed him throughout his ministry. Yeah. He's seen what that did to them. And the Bible the Bible talks about how he's moved with compassion upon the multitude. And we just man, what a what a God we serve to know Jesus is to know your Creator, and it's pretty amazing. It's an incredible thing, you know. You really can't start talking about Jesus, and then there's something in your spirit that just pulls yeah. you. You know, and and I know it seems like to everybody on Facebook or, or listening to the podcast. You know, it seems like we're going off track, but we're really not because this is what knowing God is all about. Right. And what's the point of knowing one the oneness of God? What's the point of knowing who Jesus is if you never really know Him at at an intimate place? Right. Know Him for yourself. Right. Not know Him as a third party, but know Him on a one on one basis the i am of god i want to know who god is that's right well in in i know we're going to jump into the dual nature of, of christ that's something that we're going to take a lot of time there man we're already at 30 minutes this is a it's it's a good conversation i definitely man. don't want to leave another cliffhanger but uh I, I know we got some people excited about next week's episode talking about some uh, some different verses that can be taken out of context and we'll deal with that and that's yep. that is our intention so we, we're not going to try and speed up but we're going to try right and move along. But before we get into the dual nature of Jesus, we've talked about, again, that springboard from the Old Testament prophecy to the New Testament. We've talked about um, the idea of really who Jesus is um, and what we've quoted a lot of New Testament scriptures. But I want to go specifically real quick just to the Gospel of John. Um, You have the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke. Um, Those are synoptic Gospels. They're similar in a lot of ways. Matthew wrote uh, you have them writing their books to the Jews, Matthew, the Romans, Luke, um, or excuse me, Mark, and then Luke to the Greeks. And then you have John, um, who starts off from the beginning. He goes back. In the beginning was the word. And the way, I mean, he goes back to the to the very beginning. Um, is our camera person getting pretty close? Is it getting kind of awkward? <laughs> no, it's kind of funny. <laughs> How you, how's everybody doing out there? You know, we'd like to just, you know what, let's just, just do a quick shout out to our Ms. Go producer. Ahead. This is uh she's doing an incredible job. She's getting all kinds of different camera angles. I'm not sure I I like that. Um, <laughs> they see every part of I, your face, see, huh? I, plan, I don't plan on watching the live record. The, excuse me, I don't plan on watching. The, Just uh, imagine the, the how video. I feel when I'm balding already. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Now now we are off topic, but we'd like to thank uh, our Ms. producer Miss Madison Spooner. Uh, it's not an easy role. We've had several people try out, um, have the role, and quit. Uh, one uh, pastor, uh, we used to be Mr. <laughs> producer, I think, if you remember when we first started the podcast. I don't know if he couldn't put up with us. He he went ahead and uh, he gave up on us, so the position was open. It's being filled. But even, I think, uh, last week, uh, we, you know, we recorded uh, our producer wasn't anywhere to be found. I was worried. I'm glad she showed up again this week. We were really concerned. 
So thank you for all that you do. And we will get into thanking the editor later. But let's talk about this. You have the book of John, and he records something called the I Am Statements of Jesus. Mm -hmm. We've talked about what other people have said concerning Jesus, from the Apostle Paul to the Gospel writers. Now I just want to look at a few statements that Jesus makes about himself, because it's not just other people claiming Jesus was God. Uh, Jesus himself claimed to be God, which is a pretty incredible uh, statement. And we'll get into the condemnation he received from the Pharisees and the people of the day because of that. But you begin to look at, he has about seven or eight I am statements and you read them and it's, I am the way, the truth and life as we've already gone. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And as you begin to study those I am statements, you'll find that Jesus, um, he, he says those, then he couples that um, with with a teaching, a parable after those I am's. But I want to focus on is that I am because we, especially in English, we just see a noun and a verb. And if you look at the Greek, it's ego, I, me. Uh, but if you break that down and you begin to look at that, what that really truly means. Now, the Pharisees understood what that mean, and I'll get into that in one second. If you pick up, if you have a chance, I'll, I'll, I'll give out a quick resource just because uh, I know we haven't given out any last week. But if you have Earl R. Allen's book on the great I am statements of Jesus, he said something pretty incredible. And this is where I want to really get to my point. He says that the, and I'm paraphrasing his quote, that the I am statements of Jesus take us back to a moment in history with the Hebrew Old Testament when Moses is at this burning bush. And Moses says, um, you know, I got to give these people a name who's sending me. And the Lord replies, I am that I am which it can be understood also, I will be what I will be. You have an incredible, incredible moment there. Now, as you read throughout history, I want to break this down. The people of God got to a place where the the Old Testament name of God, as you talked about, Yahweh and Jehovah, they began to get this idea that that name was so holy that it shouldn't be spoken by the common people. So they began to outlaw the name of God, the Old Testament name of God, uh, amongst the common people. And as it began to progress, they then began to outlaw the name of God, that holy name, Yahweh. They outlawed that even for their priests. And then it even became that the high priest could only use that name one day a year, as we've spoken about the Day of Atonement, whenever he would go into the holiest of holies. But even then... They outlawed the name of God, Yahweh, completely. And you can find this throughout history, extra-biblical resources, Jewish history. They out, You can read it and show, uh, find how they have outlawed the name of God, that holy name. What they would do is they would replace that name with Adonai, which means Lord, just, you know, ruler, master. Um, you know, much, if I could say, watered-down version as far as Yahweh to that. And so even when they were reading the scriptures, when they came to that Old Testament name of God, they dare not say it. They'd always say Adonai, or they would say the name. They would never speak the name. Why is this important? Because that this, this time from the Old Testament into the New Testament, you have approximately 300 years, if you look at Jewish tradition, that no one used the, the, the holy name of God, Yahweh, the I Am of the Old Testament. And then you have this carpenter from Nazareth who starts walking around and he starts saying, I am. 
And again, we look at that as just a, ver- a noun and a verb. But that's not just what that means. Jesus was reaching back into the Old Testament and he's saying that name that I told Moses all that time ago, I said, I am that I am. I am he. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And when Jesus begins to proclaim that I am, you read in scripture, the Pharisees immediately, they want to stone him because they understood what that name meant. They they didn't look at Jesus and say, you're claiming to be the bread of life. Well, how are you that? They didn't. They didn't pay no attention to that part. They heard, I am, because that name hadn't been used in several hundreds of years. And all of a sudden, this man, again, we could argue um, that the Bible teaches they did not, Jesus did not fit the description of the Messiah that they wanted him to. They were looking for much more of an earthly ruler. And when this suffering servant comes in um, teaching, he says, I am. Jesus himself is claiming to be the I am, the, the, the covenant God that spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. I am he that you are looking at. He didn't send another. He came himself. And when he came, he started using that name like he had a right to that name. Well, that's because we know he did have a right to yes. that name. That was his name. I am. And wow, man, I tell you what. They, 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 God is holy, but they, they missed, they missed it. They, they, they missed the Messiah. Even though he's claiming, they knew that Old Testament well. They knew when what they they knew the meaning of what Jesus said. They themselves did. They knew that he was referring, he was claiming the name of the God of the Old Testament, and they still, they still just missed it. They missed the revelation of God manifested in the flesh, God in the man Christ Jesus. I find interesting when you bring up that scripture. I believe um, I am of the Old Testament reads in the Hebrew, Aye, Ashur, Aye, yes. which is, I always bring this up because that is one of the only words in the um, Hebrew language, and just like in, in English, we have past, present, and future. Yeah. That word does not have a past, present, no. and future. It encompasses all of them. All of all it. All tenses. I am what I was, I am what I is, I am what I will be, I I was what I was, I was what I is, and I was what I will be. I'll be whatever I need to be. You make up a good point. Jesus wasn't using grammar. Right. Because if he was using grammar, it doesn't make any sense. Right. But it, And again, we're reading it from a, a, a English uh, perspective. It's just a noun and a verb. But Jesus wasn't just using grammar because if he was, he would, be, uh, he, he would be making any sense. He would just be babbling away. But when he says that, it, he is claiming the Old Testament name of I am. Yeah. He's, he's also claiming that I am what I was. Yeah. I am what I is and I am what, what I will what be. That's why be. the scriptures to, to say, can say I'm God and I change not. Jesus change Christ not. the same yesterday, today, today and, and forever. forever. That's why when he says I am the shepherd, I'm the shepherd because that's what you need. Yeah. I'm the way. That's because what I'm, that's what, that's I'm what the only you way. Yeah. I'm the you door. And so when he's proclaiming himself, he's proclaiming, I am everything you need. Yeah, and I am, is found in I am Jesus everything Christ. that was. I am everything that is, and I am everything yes. that will be concerning. Uh, and we're. I just want to jump into Revelation. Come on now, about I different. Feel like preaching. It's just incredible <laughs> because um, the gentleman that I brought up, um, Earl R. Allen, he mm-hmm. he is not a oneness Pentecost believer. He 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 um, follows the doctrine <clears throat> of a Trinity and the yeah. distinction of three co-equal um, persons in the in the Godhead, and he is claiming. When in his book he talks about that it's Jesus is not just using grammar; he is reaching back to the Old Testament uh, 
conversation that God had with Moses, and he is claiming that name. And yes. what an incredible admonition that the God of the Old Testament, that name, Jesus can say that name, claim to be that God, uh, and it's not blasphemy. Now, again, you, you look at the response of the Pharisees. <laughs> that's why they wanted to kill him, because they knew what he meant. They right. knew the implication. It wasn't just grammar. Jesus was he was claiming to be the I am. And wow, what a... What an incredible, what an incredible! Thing. I'm just looking at this time, man. I just, I want to keep going. Let, let's, just, well, let's keep moving on. We, let, let's yeah, let's jump keep into going. It. I think one of the most important conversations we can have today, when we cover the oneness of God, is understanding the dual nature of yes. Christ, the dual nature of Jesus. And now this, this is a, um, it's not a difficult conversation. I'm 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 praying that God's spirit will begin to open the minds of people when we talk about this. I just want to make sure that when I talk I'm not You're clear. I'm not using improper words. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because this this could can be misunderstood very easily. Uh, so let's talk about the dual nature real quick. Yeah. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully, fully man. man. Yes, sir. And the reason why we have to understand the dual nature of Christ is because there are going to be, next episode, particular scriptures within the New Testament. And that if you don't understand the dual nature of Christ, you are you're going to get have, tripped up. You're going to have very tripped up and not understand what the scriptures are entailing, how they are properly understood. Uh, so understanding the dual nature of Christ is, is important absolutely important for understanding the oneness of God. Now, quick disclaimer before you get into that. This is another view that is not particular to oneness Pentecostals. You will find that those that hold to a doctrine of a trinity also understand the importance that the dual nature of Christ. Right. Which is so, and we'll jump into that a little bit more, but this is not unique to just oneness. This is a, this is a very <clears throat> important doctrine to understand no matter um, where you tend to fall as far as belief in the Godhead. Obviously, we believe that the, the Bible clearly states um, the oneness of God and the Godhead, but I just wanted to throw that out there. This is not unique to oneness Pentecostals. Absolutely. Uh, so let's cover just uh, Jesus is fully God and fully man yes. real quick in a couple of scriptures. God, God was indwelt in the man Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus did only the will of the Father. Jesus is how God revealed himself to mankind. Jesus had to be completely man in order to, uh, uh, for the purpose of redemption. To be our okay. sacrifice. So let's cover this. Now, well, how do you find that Jesus is both God and man? Well, I can find it in Romans chapter 1, verse 3, three. and verse yeah. 4. And this is what it says, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So he was of the genealogy of David, King David, according to the flesh. Yeah. But declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit. What made him fully man was that he was flesh. He was of the seed of David. But what made him fully God was the Spirit that indwelt him. And so he was seed, He was the seed of David according to the flesh and the seed of God according to the Spirit. Now let's look at Jesus was entirely man uh, throughout scriptures. He was hungry. He was hungry, yep. Matthew 4, 2. He slept. Yep. Matthew 8, 24. He became weary and tired. John 4, 6. He wept. John eleven thirty five. 35. And 
shout out to Jacob Swears. That's the scripture that he has memorized down. <laughs> he was he was in agony. And John, John eleven thirty five yep. again. Yep. He developed. Now this is one of the biggest points to I understand. Tell you what? This is the mystery that God in flesh. This is why we have to understand He was completely man. That there was a man that He indwelt. This man was learning. He developed in wisdom, wisdom and, stature. and stature. So not only did he grow in understanding like me and you do, he also grew physically. He was bound by the laws of physics and growth and anatomy as me and you do. As Absolutely. he got older, he grew. You find that in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Now, quick shout out to this. That does not mean that God grew in wisdom. That, right. mean, that means the body, the body that has a mind grew in wisdom the son of god the son also of god translated the body of god yes referring to the man the body that god indwelt that was what was developing in wisdom and stature because remember jesus christ had to be completely 100% mankind or, or there was no redemption sacrifice. exactly he could not be the redemption the sacrifice for man he had to be 100% man as well as god uh, and, and then Biggest one here, Jesus died. He died. God can't die. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. Right. And he was tempted. He was tempted. And I think, and me and you talked about this just a little bit pre-recording in our conversation. There isn't, there isn't a, a doctrine out there that, not very popular now, but it was in years past where there was a, this understanding of divine flesh that Jesus, uh, the body of God, the man, he couldn't have sinned even if he wanted to. We don't believe that. We believe, as that scripture says, he was tempted in, in all points like as we are yet without sin. And he had to be a man, as you're pointing out, to be that sacrifice, to be the propitiation for our sins. Absolutely. So Acts 22, or Acts 2, 22. chapter 2, verse 22, and John 8 and 40, you can look up those scriptures yourself, declare that Jesus was a man. Now let's cover that Jesus is God. Jesus is God, yes. Um, I, I think we pointed out in prophecy that Yehovah would be the one that John made the way for. Yes. And so John the Baptist made the way for Yehovah. And when Jesus showed up, he said, this is him. This, this is, is the Jehovah is that him. I was prophesied to make a way for. First uh, Corinthians two eight says, "Which none of the princes of the world knew, they never knew. For had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord." Which is the word Jehovah. Yep. It refers back to the Old Testament God, the supreme deity, the Jehovah of glory. So it's not referring to a God that's subordinate to another. It's not referring to a co-equal God. It's referring to the, the supreme, That's right. almighty God, which is Jesus Christ. Revelation 1.8 refers to him as the almighty. He casts out demons, we find in scripture. He commands the sea. I love, brother, if you haven't been able to look up this sermon and listen to it by Myron, I believe it's Myron Wildman Jr. Uh, if you look up New Life of Albany, um, um, where is the evidence? 
in it, he begins to break down the evidence of the oneness of God. And he begins to talk about how he was man enough to hunger, but he was God enough to turn the stones into bread. You know, he was he was man enough, to, and he breaks it down, and that's really what we're doing here. He walked on water. He appeared in a closed room without a door. He raised the dead, and he himself rose from the dead. These are things that go beyond the ability of a human body. And, yeah. and you know, there's magic tricks, and there's all kinds of people that can do illusions. And no one could do what he did because not only was he a man, but he was God manifested in the flesh. Yeah. So... We're, we're coming to uh, an end of the dual nature. And so let's understand this. This is the importance of it. Jesus Christ, understand this, make it a note, big note. Jesus Christ was completely God and completely, and completely man. man. Yes, He was completely God according to the spirit that dwelt in him. Yes, But yet he was completely man according to the body that the spirit indwelt. Understanding the dual nature of God is imperative, and this is why. Have you ever read the scripture where Jesus is praying He's to praying. the Father? Yeah. How does that make any sense? We've got to understand when we read scripture, especially when Jesus is talking, is the man talking at one moment, or is God talking at one moment? I'll tell you, when... when uh, Jesus was in the garden. He said, not my will, but that will be done. done. That was when the man, the body, was submitting to the spirit. It was the man talking to the spirit, just as we. We are indwelt in a body, but our body still has to submit to the spirit. It's the same type. It's the same understanding. Jesus had a free will that he had to surrender to the Lord. Absolutely. Because, or else, if he did not have a free will... He was not a sufficient enough sacrifice for mankind. That's important. That's important to note. Um, and, and now I don't want to say that that it would have been cheating because that's <clears throat> that's not what we're saying. I mean, in a more simpler way, but he had to be a man to be sufficient for our sins, and that Absolutely. and that and that is to be a sufficient sacrifice. And again, going back to that verse that said, "I look for somebody. I look for a man. I look for a sacrifice. I look for a substitute, but I couldn't find anybody. Yes. Couldn't find anybody. It had to me. be a willing, yes, sacrifice. Absolutely. Just as with our relationship with God depends on our willingness to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, just one more point, and then Brother Alex is going to take it away on our final <laughs> cherry of the time. And that is, at one moment, Jesus could be sleeping in the boat. But on the next moment, command stand up yeah. and command the sea and the winds and say, peace be still. And the disciples look at each other and they're in fear and they say, who is this man? Well, this man was God in flesh. Go ahead. Man, take I've it away, had, bro. I've had a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're going to get into just that. We are going to just go ahead and, and end it here after a couple more comments. Um, we're going to jump over the book of Revelation. We're not going to talk about the end times per se, uh, but we're going to deal with some different images of Jesus Christ um, as far as in the end times, in the, the millennial reign, what we're going to see, different things like that, what John saw. I've had a lot of fun. I think this has been an incredible time. I, I'm excited to I'm excited to hear some of the different things that we, uh, the feedback that we get because we get so passionate about this. Mm-hmm. And obviously, through this series, we've been building up to different things. We we really did build the foundation. 
uh, talking about the existence of God, different things like that, studying your Bible. We did all of those things for these episodes here because as we dive into this, this revelation, it's so vital and important knowing who God is, not only how he revealed himself in the Old Testament, but how he presented himself in a body of flesh in the New Testament, how how crucial that is to our understanding, especially in the salvation plan. Last but not least, I'm gonna jump I'm gonna jump into this really quick and I know you're gonna make some comments real quick. We're at right about fifty minutes, so I know we gotta get moving. Um, if you look at Revelation chapter 1, I'm just going to read some of these verses. I encourage you to dive into it and study it yourself, and we'll end with a quick comment. Um, Revelation chapter 1, you find that the revelation, this is how it starts, revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we find a lot of these images here that John begins to speak about and write about. We're looking at Jesus Christ. And if you find in verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Again, speaking of Jesus. And they also which pierced him. We know this is talking about Jesus because mm-hmm. it's it's he, he was pierced and bruised. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. Now again, that word Lord there, look at what that word Lord means because that's not just a, that's just not master. We're talking about Jesus and he is claiming to John, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. It is incredible to think that when we get to heaven, we got to under- ask ourselves this question. Who are we going to see? Because if you jump over to Revelation chapter 21, I'm turning in my Bible here. Um, Revelation chapter 22, excuse me, verse 3. The Bible says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. I want to point out that there's only one throne. The Bible only talks about one throne. That's a singular throne. And it says it's the throne of God. And it doesn't say and the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb because then you'd have two, two thrones. But it says the throne of God and of the Lamb, the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. And that is that is the revelation, the type of the Lamb of God, the throne of the Lamb and the throne of God are one throne because there's only one God. There's not two persons or three persons. There's not uh, the Father sending the Son in a, in a, a separate person. There's only one God. He came himself. And I think we need to ask ourselves this question. I encourage everybody, if they ever have a, a good encounter with somebody who may have, a, you know, may, may think uh, there may be some separation or distinction of persons, uh, ask them, who are you going to see when you get to heaven? John MacArthur, a very well-known Calvinist and Trinitarian, he he proclaims emphatically, "You're going, we're going to see Jesus." That's what John MacArthur said. Uh, another um, W. A. Criswell, Billy, uh, not Billy Cole, excuse me, uh, brother uh, Graham, Billy Graham's pastor, W. A. Criswell. We've recommended some of his books. He emphatically quotes, "When we get to heaven, you're only going to see Jesus." Now, I want to quote Brother Bernard. I know you already know where I'm going with this, the story that he encountered. He was speaking to several Trinitarian uh, people at a conference, and he began to um, he began to say these exact things. We all agree that we're going to see Jesus in heaven, and they all said, absolutely. And he went back to the, a scripture that we've already read in John 14. He said, how long is it going to be when we're in heaven, we're all together? 
and we're, we've talked with Jesus, is it going to be a hundred years, a thousand years? Is it going to be 10,000 years? Is it going to be a million years? When are you going to ask Jesus, where's the father? Because, you know, we know that the father is a biblical term, you know, that we know now God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit is never used, but God, the father is used. We understand the importance of the role as God and him being our father. And he asked them that question, how long is it going to be as you've been spending all this time with Jesus? Because we all agree we're going to see Jesus. The book of Revelation proclaims that there's one throne. It's the Lamb's throne, which is going to be Jesus. We find that John describes Jesus in Revelation 1.8, the person he is seeing. And Jesus claims to be the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the Almighty God, the Lord, saith the Lord. How long is it going to be before you ask, where's the Father? And Brother Bernard said he's going to say the same exact thing he told Philip. <laughs> Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're going to see Jesus in heaven because the Almighty God robed himself in flesh. And he came and he died for us. He came himself. He did not send another. And just for a final uh, statement on that, there's two scriptures that come to my mind. One is, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall by no means pass away. Another scripture says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, today. and forever. That's so right. how he revealed himself in John, how the apostles revealed him in Hebrews and also in Colossians, it's not going to change. That's He's right. always oh, going to be thank you, Lord. the expressed image of God. He's always going to be, That's right. if you see me, you've, you've seen, seen the, the Father. Father. That doesn't change from when we come from this destination to heaven's destination. It will always be the same. Now, we're hoping from everybody on Facebook, next week we're going to be getting into... Uh, scriptures that maybe we are going to get into Genesis one twenty six. I think we, I was told yes. Sister Hoover was really looking forward to Sister <laughs> Hoover. We have not forgotten about that. We are going to. We believe there are passages that we have not hit in these previous um, these two episodes that do deserve some attention. Absolutely, some, a couple in the Old Testament. We won't, we won't spend too much time there. Some father son language as you spoke about earlier, in yep. <laughs> uh, some New Testament scriptures that that deserve our attention because yes. they now. We've done all this because now that we have a firm grasp of the Old Testament view of God, the New Testament view of God, we can now better understand what those verses mean now that we know the nature of God and who God is. And we will deal with those verses. We are going to. And I'm just going to ask everybody in Facebook land and listening to the podcast, please, if there are scriptures that you may be struggling in understanding the oneness of God, we ask you today, please do it today. Don't procrastinate. Send us the question, send us the scripture, and we will see if we can have time next week to go over it. And most likely, knowing because there's only a handful of particular scriptures that people struggle with to understand, uh, hopefully understanding the dual nature of Christ helped you with those already, Uh, but send them to us so we can break them down and talk about them next week and help everyone out. Well, Rev. I've had a lot of fun. Again, shout out to Ms. Producer, Ms. Madison Spooner. She hung with us to the very end this time. And I'm super excited for next week to hopefully cap off the oneness 
segment of our new series, Why I Believe. We appreciate everybody that's been following us, that's been sharing this podcast, been sharing the live video on Facebook. We've had an incredible amount of views since we've started, and especially on this Oneness of God doctrine. We've had a great response on our podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to give reviews. Be sure to listen to Matt. Get any questions, please give us the feedback. And until next week, we'll see you guys later. God bless.